This morning in Connection, we're going to be diving into something that I think everybody here can connect with. I talked with people this week. I've talked with people last week. I talked to sometimes multiple people during a week. And it has to deal with this word. Lonely. Alone. I'm by myself. No one knows, no one in this world can possibly understand or know what I'm going through at this point in my life. Now, I've been there. But the exciting thing is, I can stand on this side of this during this current time in my life. I can stand on this side of this and I say this to you today. You're never, ever, ever alone. We're going to do something that we do on the fourth Sunday of the, of the month here at Connection. It's called Touch Someone's Life Gift. You can read, you can read about it uh, up here. If you open your, but I want you to open your message map all the way up. Look in the middle. It says, touch someone's life gift. It says, we'll receive a monetary gift today on the fourth Sunday. This is what we're looking for. There's a lot of people in our life, a lot of people that we can come in contact with at work or when we walk out this door that are lonely people. And Connection seeks to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. And we seek to meet people they are. Now, sometimes that's buying them a cup of coffee. Sometimes it's praying for them. It's putting their arm around them. It's walking beside them through this life. But sometimes it's monetary. As of today, we've given away over $10,000 in this over the last couple of years. $10,000 in brown paper bags. That we're not trying to hide anything from the IRS. It's just in a brown paper bag because we serve popcorn. So if you're a first-time guest with us, please don't be, don't be weirded out by that. You can see this, this story underneath it. And I, I want to I put something into perspective to you. I heard this morning something that we had hoped, Mike had hoped, the church had hoped, whenever we started doing this, the lead team had hoped with the Touch Someone's Life gift. We hoped that this, this would happen. See, it's something to give to an offering, okay, to a special offering, because we don't have them a lot. And we, and we put this money in a bag, and we know that our money goes directly to help somebody. Okay, that's good. But this morning, I was made aware, and there are other people that do this, but I was just made aware this morning. Watch this, you ready? We have impacted states away with this gift. States away. We now have somebody that was visiting Connection, when we did this, and they got so caught up in the vision. How about this? They practice a budget. They have an envelope system. They throw their spare change in it, and they give it away, and they're not a part of Connection. See, this is what we, this is, this is what we wanted it to be, a magnetic giving. You find yourself somewhere buying somebody's lunch, you know, in the opportunity. This is what we want. Oh, man, I can't do this because Matt didn't give me a brown bag. Listen, if God gave you a job, and when you go to that job, you get to work, and, when, and they give you a paycheck, and it cashes, God says, I've given you all these things. There was somewhere, sometime, that somebody gave to you. Now, there's going to be a little bit different stipulation on the Touch Someone's Life gift. We've changed up a couple things. If you look, and you just open the front cover, this right here by the sermon notes, look up on top. It says this, anything that has been designated so far is going to go for this offering. But here's, here's the stipulation that we're going to change. It says, today all offering for this will be collected in the popcorn bags passed during the service. Okay? So we want, we want the offering to be, okay, you know, a lot of times we get carried away. We're humans, okay? We get caught up with numbers, don't we? I get, I get asked all the time, how many people did you have in church? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're the pastor. We don't get caught up in numbers. I am more concerned about having a relationship with somebody than reading a board that has numbers on it. Okay? I want to have a relationship with someone. I want to teach somebody how to teach someone else. That is what we're interested in. But too often we get, we get caught up with the numbers, and if you were here during December, what an unbelievable display of connections love. It was over $1,000. I think, pretty close. Yeah, $1,000. I gave away seven bags. Seven. That's great. 
That's beyond great. But we don't want to miss the point. Because the person that lives states away is grasping the point. They say, oh man, it doesn't matter. The person told me today, they, they, they told me about that person, and they said they have $17 saved up. And I told them this, $17 at the right time in my life would have changed my life. And you know what I'm talking about. $17 a month. I've been $17 short before. I've been a dollar short. And I tell you the story all the time. But if I go up to buy a bottle of water, and it's $1.25, and I have a dollar, but I don't have 25 You know, you can't convince that machine to give you without that quarter. You can talk to it all you want. See, that quarter matters. That quarter matters. So this morning, we're going to have some people come. And if you're not a member of Connection, this is not an offering for you to give to. We just want you to sit back and watch Connection's people give. We're, we're Seriously, we're looking for spare change out of your thing. If you got 24 cents, if you don't have a dime. So if those people are taking that offering, would come, would come forward. They're just going to pass, they're just going to pass the bags back and forth. If you, we're looking for quarters and nickels. Because, you know, if somebody asked me for a quarter right now, I don't have one in my pocket. How about that? See, it's a big deal sometimes. Sometimes we look at numbers and we don't concentrate on the why. So today, as they're, as they're taking this offering, and it comes by you, please pay attention. Don't ignore them, but, but try to pay attention to me as they walk backwards. Okay? Or no, forwards, but backwards to you. We're gonna, if you have a Bible with us, with us this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 14. And if you've traveled this little journey with us, this is the fourth sermon of the series. There's one more. There's one more. And, and of all of them that I've seen, all of them that I've seen, all of them that I've studied for, the last two give me uh, the most excitement, uh, the most, oh, I can't wait for Sunday. Any point in time during the week, do you ever, do you ever wake up and say, I'm ready for Sunday. Now, you don't have to tell me out loud, but I heard some mm-hmms. That's good. You know why? Because God is using a group of people that gather together to help you wherever you are. Because sometimes we feel that word lonely. Alone. If you like music and a little bit of a little bit of edgy stuff, Barlow Girl is a is a Christian group. That's, I don't think they travel anymore or tour anymore. But in the '90s, they were smash awesome. Three sisters. You like the harmony in the song? Those of you who like harmony, you like the harmony. Do you know where the harmony comes from? The drummer. The drummer sings harmony while she plays drums. Yeah, they're very, very talented. They had kids and they got families and, they, and, they, and they, their bands kind of split up. But Barlow Girl comes here this morning and you think, man, Matt, we just got done with music. Why are we going to listen to some more? Please, look at the words. It said these words. It says, you cannot separate your part of me. We forget that. It's too easy to forget. It's easy. And you say, man, Matt, I've only been here a week. I've only been here two weeks. I've never been here before to Connection. You're talking about all these things. There's one more. And I'm going to be a little insistent on this one. Because we have books that we have to make. So please, 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 if you can at all, and you know you're coming, and you haven't already talked to me, please talk to me. I don't want to be, we don't want to be short. If you open your worship hand out one more, we're having hand calisthenics today. Open your hand all the way out. On the bottom right, we're going to have first step. If you're not a member of Connection, you want to become a member of Connection, find out what Connection's about. There's no obligation. to come. You can come and you can sit if you want to come and listen to me talk for some odd reason. You can, but you can learn more about Connection. And if you've decided that God wants you to be a part of this church, you can come and hang out with us on February 8th between 1 and 3 at the home of Jeff and Debbie Staley. You can type that in your GPS, their address, and shoot you up Toll Road right to their house. But right now, we have, we have a pretty good group. So if there's going to be any more, please, somebody find me right after church. Okay? And I'll announce it again next week. There's so much stuff going on. I mean, that was a barrage. There's so much stuff going on. Sometimes when there's a lot of stuff going on, we can feel alone because we think the world's passing us by and they don't care about me. They don't care about us. They don't care about, well, my situation doesn't matter. My situation is not important. 
if there's one thing that the people of Connection have taught me, it's that there's importance placed on individuals. Individual families, people get together, people hang out. Before we get into this, we're going to be in John chapter 14, but before we get into this, I want to pray for us. So if you would, just bow bow your head, close your eyes, look at the ceiling, whatever you want to do. God doesn't have any rules about praying. God, we thank you so much for today. You know my heart, Lord, you know how we've studied, I've studied for this. God, you you know these people, you know the week that they've had. You know the week that I've had. Maybe there's busyness. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe there's, maybe there's suffering. Maybe there's pain. Maybe there's a feeling of loneliness. At some point, we all do. We all feel it. God, this morning, help us realize that we're never, ever, ever, ever alone. In your name we pray. Amen. Does, sometime, does sometimes when you live, does your life seem like it's too much? Too much stuff on the plate. Too many irons in the fire. You feel that way? We think that, and we watch this video, we watch these words, we watch these three sisters sing, we watch the video of them, their song, and it says that we're never alone, never alone, never alone, never alone. Why? Man, I feel so alone. You have no, you have no idea where I am. I don't know where I am. I'm lost. I don't know who to turn to. I don't know who to trust. See if these words ring a bell. Alone, lonely, by yourself. We don't think anyone knows the exact feelings that we do. We think we're completely sectioned off from the rest of the world. We've all felt it. We've all felt it, but it starts here. Look in your worship handout by the notes. There's the first one on here. It says, where do you place your trust? And we, say, whoa, whoa, whoa. we just talked about loneliness. Now we're going to move to trust. Watch where we go. Where do you place your trust? Yourself, your family, your friends? If you want to get really honest with me, and we had a, we had a, complete, uh, um, a completely secret ballot, no one would ever know what you wrote. If you had to answer this question, some of us, maybe even a majority of us, would say this. I place my trust in myself. Example, Mary asked me, are we lost? No, we're not lost. I know exactly where we are. Trust me. And inside I'm going, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea where I am. We place our trust into ourself because we like what our self answers. Listen, if you've seen that movie trilogy that I was talking about, about Lord of the Rings, and you know this, this character, he's, he's the most attractive character in the whole movie, and I'm being facetious. Gollum. Gollum puts his trust in himself because he's the only one that he wants to have the ring, so he, he doesn't trust anyone. He places in trust right here. He ha- it has to be about him because he's so, so into possessing See, we like ourself because our self gives us the answers that we want to hear. Sometimes, if we put trust in our family, that's not okay. Listen, now hear me. You should love your family. But you have to understand that to put trust in somebody in your family, we have to make sure they're one thing. We have to make sure they're healthy. Putting your trust in something that's not healthy is not going to get you healthier. You know, a donut plus a ding-dong doesn't, eat, doesn't equal four three-rep max of bench press. You know, uh, a Krispy Kreme uh, 12-pack of donuts and um, Hostess ding-dongs do not equal a six-pack on a normal person. I can look at a bag of Oreos and gain weight. Amens. Okay, that's good. (laughs) We even want to trust our family and friends before we attempt to trust God. Now, here's the deal. We don't want to trust God because why? Because God's going to tell us the truth. Why? Because he can't tell you a lie. He tells you the truth. So I say, God, I want to trust you in this matter. And he says, okay. Hmm. And he gives me an answer. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not, you know. And I don't want to, I don't want to put that into my life because I said, no, God, I can't, I can't trust you. I don't trust myself. You gave me an answer that's going to make me change. I don't want to do that. That's not funny, God. I don't want to. I do not want to forgive that person. 
But trust me. God, I feel so lonely. God says, I want you to trust me. You know what? I can do this on my own. And what do I do? I maintain a level of loneliness. I don't come out of it. I stay in the pit. We have trouble trusting in God when things are wrong because we try to fix them ourselves. We're going to look at promises today. In the New Testament, in the 14th chapter of John, we're going to look at promises. Now, we think about promises like this. God promised Noah, I'm never going to flood the earth, and the result is a rainbow. And it's to remind us. Throughout the Old Testament, there was a, there was a, there was a prophecy or a promise that soon there's going to be a Messiah come. That was Jesus. It happened. We can prove that in secular history, not just with this Bible. So we, they had to trust. But if we look back in Scripture, God's resume for being able to trust Him is pretty good. If, you, if, you, if you're in a job and you have to take resumes, some people just stand out, don't they? Some people are overqualified. God is overqualified, okay? But He provides for us that resume. His resume on a piece of paper is just perfect. You can trust Him. Why? Because he, he says something and He follows through. Does anybody understand or has it happened in your life where God has promised you something that didn't happen? Yet? See, God doesn't let us down. He's perfect. The hardest question that I get asked, and normally it's between, it's between our youth, between 16, 17, to about 22, 23 and that's, when I, that's, that's, the, that's the age group that I only thought that this question would ask. And in the last two weeks, I've been asked this question by people much older than that. Matt? And believe me, you come to me and I don't understand a question or how to answer it. I'm going to say, I don't know. Let me get back to you. But this one, this one has been taught to me. They ask this question. I want to honor God with my life. Which way do I go? Who do I trust? How can I do it? Loaded question. And I simply take them to this verse. I take them to 1 Corinthians 10.31. We're going to get to John in a minute, but there's promises that I have to talk about. 1 Corinthians 10.31, I say this. I say, God wants you over there, and you're standing right here. But yeah, man, I feel like I could go this way and honor God, or I could go this way and honor God. And you know what I tell them? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. You want to go this way to college and play a sport? You want to go this way and study academics and go straight to the four-year university? You pray about it. You ask God. I can't give Him that answer, but I can tell Him this. God's promises in 1 Corinthians 10.31 is, If you eat or drink, and whatever you do for me, I'm going to get you there, and you're not going to miss it. It's a promise. You're not going to miss what I have for you. If God says, if you seek me, tells David this. He goes, if you seek me, I'll show you. If you seek me, God will show us. But then the problem starts with us. We put God on a timetable. Um, yeah, God, this is Matt again. Um, I pray for this to happen and you haven't shown up yet. You know, too often I get that answer, I get that reply back from God, and He says, whether you eat or drink, you do it all for the glory of me. Are you doing that? Are you seeking me? See, David, David, David had an argument with God, and God said, I want you to seek me, and David's anger turned to love, turned to repentance, turned to, he just turned it all around because he knew where to look. See, we're talking about this sermon series of new beginnings Talking about this sermon series of here's to new beginnings, here's to breaking free. Some of us have to break free of this loneliness thing because we have to learn who and where we can trust. Nicodemus. Watch this. This all relates back. Nicodemus chose to ask the right questions to the right person. He trusted Jesus. He even called him teacher. Called him rabbi. The second one, Jesus found the woman at the well and the woman at the well said, I can trust you. Through their conversation, Jesus found her. Jesus told her everything that had happened to her. She said, I can trust you. New beginning. Last week we talked about the shepherd and his voice. The sheep can trust the person that's the shepherd. I talked to you last week about my dog. My dog Barkley. He's a Cocker Spaniel. Emma was just furious because he wouldn't listen to her. And I would come over and I said, Barkley, do this, do this, do this. And he would do it. And Emma said, how do you do that? 
And I said, because Barkley, trust me. Barkley remembers that I fed him. He remembers that I watered him. He remembers that I lay on the grass and I just pet him and we'd, and we'd wrestle around. You don't have that history with him, so he doesn't know he can trust you yet. So how do we trust God? Look at John chapter 14, verse 1, if you're with me. We're going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be up here on the screen. But there's a lot of people that are going to have trouble in this very, very first verse. Verse 1, it says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. If you have a red letter edition Bible, this is Jesus talking. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus talks here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, he's ta- who is he talking to? He's talking to a special group. He's talking to the disciples. Now, the disciples were on another level. The disciples had an intimate relationship with Christ for three and a half years. They walked with him. They talked with him. They watched him do crazy, cool things. Like turning the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Then, then they saw him raise the dead. And they saw him heal the blind. Surely they could have understand, but Jesus tells them, he says, now, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I don't want you guys to worry. Oh, there's that word. Because when we worry and we let ourselves be troubled, the only thing that some of us want to do is we want to go in our closet, shut the doors, lock it from the outside, shut the doors. I'm not coming out. We want to hide. We want to get isolated. That is exactly where Satan wants you to be. In that closet, you're useless. For him, for God, you're useless. You can't share an experience. Satan says, you know what? Oh, I wish I could, I wish I could remember. I heard something really good. Yesterday, there was a lady on the, on the radio. She said, um, she said, the two lies that Satan tells you, one, uh, that you could never do it, or that it could never happen to you, and the second was, there's no way you can get out of it. It'll never happen to you, and, there, and then when you finally get caught up in that, there's no way out. That's the, two way, that's the two lies that Satan likes to get us with because we do this. We say, God, Jesus is telling these people, these guys, he says, trust in God and trust also in me. Now, if, if we want to go back and look how intimate chapter number 13 is, these guys are in a very, very relaxed, very trusting, very loving place. Jesus has just washed their feet. They just had the Lord's Supper. They had a meal. Jesus says, okay, I don't want you guys to be troubled. Because he knew that what he was getting ready to say. He says, trust in God and trust also in me. Jesus has already got confrontational with someone. He just told Peter that Peter was going to deny him three times before the rooster would crow the next day. Just told one of his best friends. You're going to deny that you ever knew me, Peter, three times. You're going to deny that you even knew me. To say that their heart for trouble would be an understatement. Jesus is, has given hints. He tells them all the time, yet they don't get it. They say, they, he's told them, I'm going to die. The Son of Man is going to die. Well, who's the Son of Man? <laughs> it's me. Oh, okay. And two, you know, a little bit down Scripture, he says the Son of Man is going to die. Oh, who's that? It's me, guys. Some of them is starting to click. Some of them is starting to click. They were getting ready. The disciples were getting ready to lose their closest friend. Watch this. They were getting ready to lose their closest friend, their mentor, their teacher. Emotions that I think running through the disciples' heads and hearts were this. They were worried. They were tense. They were scared to death. They see people die because of their faith. They were anxious, they were troubled, and they were stressed out. Have you ever been worried, tense, scared to death, anxious, troubled, and stressed out? Yeah, welcome to earth. See, there's nothing new with these issues. There's nothing new with these problems. We talked about, we're talking about 12 guys, 12 ordinary people. And if you were to talk about Romans 12.2 in a physical context, context that God changed the way that they think, the way they thought, the way they acted. These 12 dudes were fishermen. Tax just junk socially. They're not even important. And I love that. Last week when Jesus talked to Peter, and Peter says, well, what are we going to do? Jesus looks at him, you know, in the big, and it was Hollywood eyes, and he goes, 
change the world. He gives this big Hollywood eyes, we're going to change the world. They did. They're still doing it. That's why we, when we mentor people here at Connection, it's a big deal because we're on the multiplication factor. We want to multiply. We don't want to have a crowd of a thousand. We're never going to have a crowd of a thousand. We'll play another church. We'll run more services. See, we, we want to multiply individuals to mentor other individuals because they can take these stories and they can say, there was a time in my life where I needed to trust God and this is how I did it. And pass that information along. Put your trust in God. How hard is that? But God, you don't, you know my, you don't write the checks in my checkbook, God. Sometimes God talks to us and He goes, I should. Because you're doing a little bit out of order. God, you don't understand what it's like to put up with this person. Because really, because my son wore their sins and your sins on his back and I had to turn away from him. You don't think I understand this? Sometimes God says, has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to me? I know everything about you, man. I know where you trust. And you have a problem trusting me. Look at verse 2. Jesus is getting ready to talk really cool language, but it's going to go zoom. He says this, verse 2. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Jesus is telling them this. I'm going to die, guys. I'm going to die. Jesus showing them that he is God. He even prophesied about Peter. He said, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. Not four, not two, not seven or 17. You're going to deny me three exact times. The Son of Man is getting ready to be arrested, and I'm going to be put to death. Is what he's telling them. I'm going to die. But we have another promise. For three and a half years, think about the grief. They, they, they have grief before he dies. Wait, where are you going? Wait, wait, wait. The, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going? Jesus, you're the one that taught us. Who are we going to trust in? This is the question. Can you imagine? Right after a nice, intimate meal, there's probably loud voices. Where are you going? You can't, you can't do this. And then Jesus settles them down, well, or riles them up. He said, if this weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? See, Jesus was going to go, and he was going to die. God was going to raise him on the third day. And he was going to go prepare a place for them in heaven. Look at verses 3 and 4. He goes on, he says, this is Jesus talking again. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you always be with me where I am. Oh, good. Oh, sweet. Good, Jesus. How long are you going to be gone? A couple weeks. You go to Samaria again, talk to that woman. How long are you going to be gone? There's these very earthly questions I can just see coming out of their mouth. How long are you going to be gone? Jesus says, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Well, I want that. Don't we? No, God says, I want to take you. I want to do things in your life. Oh, I want that. Well, you're going to have to be patient. Oh, I don't want that. Sometimes we change our mind like that. Oh, no, no, patience. Mm, I'm out. Verse 4, and you know the way where I'm going. This was huge. This was revolutionary. I'm telling you, this guy, this guy just broke, (laughs) he just broke the code, he just broke the mold. Jesus was telling them this. He's telling them this. In these short two verses, he's saying this. He said, my time here is short. So is yours. You have to trust me. If you want to get the most out of your life, you have to trust me. If you want to get changed, have a new beginning, and break free of those, that stuff because our life isn't that long, Solomon tells us that our, that our life in Ecclesiastes is like a vapor. You ever seen that? The next time you're behind somebody on a cloudy day like this, there's a little bit of moisture in the air, check out the person's exhaust in front of you. That's vapor. It goes out of the exhaust and gone. Some of you would, would, could honestly tell me, I've talked to people, and I say, I ask you what kind of changes you've seen in your life. And you tell me, oh, over the last 50 years, I've just saw all kinds of changes. And you get to talk and you say, somehow my, somehow my daughter is 35 years old. Somehow my daughter was in kindergarten yesterday and tomorrow she's graduating high school. Our time here is short and Jesus is saying this. I got to go. You have a job to do. I'm going to go, but I'll be back. 
Now they thought he was going to return really quick. He's not back yet. Here's another promise. If you read the book of Revelation, in the end we win. And he's coming back to get his kids. And there's some days that I'm just ready. Older, the older you get, the more people that you see that are on the other side of death from you. See, this is the hope. This is how I, this is how I trust. Man, man you're, pretty, you're pretty emotional when you talk about this. Listen. <laughs> Only, the, not even the half of what we're going to experience is told here, and I'm pretty sure that I'd be okay with just the half that we know about. I'll never forget the story that I asked my grandpa. I said, Grandpa, you going to wear this is white gold. He had a yellow gold one. He said, I said, Grandpa, you gonna you gonna wear your wedding ring in heaven so you know grandma? And he went on to discuss about marriage in heaven with me. And he but he stopped at me and told me this. He said, Matthew, when I die, <sighs> I'm gonna go to a place where I'm not gonna have to wear pavement on my finger. Don't, don't miss this opportunity. Jesus is saying, you're going to get your reward soon. And when it comes, you're going to say, man, that was too short. But I'm giving you, you need to trust me if you want to live like I lived. See, these, these guys would say, oh, we want it, oh, we want it, oh, we want it, oh, we want it. Jesus would say, I want you to trust me and live like me. No, 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 no. And they would go back to being lonely, alone. And then, and then... And then, God, where are you at? God hasn't moved. You're the one that got in your closet, locked the door, to say, I don't, I don't want this. this. This world is too heavy for me. And you know the way to where I'm going. That's the big deal. These guys knew Jesus was coming and He was just, he was just taking a wrecking ball to what they were growing up to believe. Now the Old Testament points all to Jesus. But he's saying, I'm the new way. And you know the way. See, watch this. The way. It's Jesus. He's telling again. He says, and you know the way. Because I taught you over three and a half years. Somebody in your family ever tried to teach you something and you about halfway listened and that person maybe, maybe passed on and you look back and you understand all the things that they were trying to teach you? Or that maybe they, they taught you things that you didn't fully understand till afterwards, till after they were gone? Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the way. We can look at this another way. Our troubles that we have. Sometimes our stuff gets in the way of our vision. We want to be alone. We feel alone. We don't think that anyone else feels like we do. Some of you would want to come up here and you want to talk to me or after church and you say, Matt, I really like this sermon. I really like this story that Jesus says, but you don't understand anything about being alone. There's nowhere for a lonely person to fit in. There's nowhere where a lonely person can, be, can, be, can learn about Christ because the only thing that I want to do, I'm so alone, I don't want to come out of my house. And when I do come out of my house, I come out of my closet. I don't want anybody in. I don't want, I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to be around my family. I don't want to talk to God, certainly, because He's caused all this. Let me tell you something. He didn't. And we want to think, there's no possible way. You know what? I used to think that. There's no way. God, I used this excuse one time. God, there's no way that anyone on this earth suffers like I do. I'm unique. I'm, I've got to be the worst person off in the world. Have you ever played that pity party? I have got to be the worst person in the whole world. I just have everything going wrong. I don't have a new truck. I don't have a big house. I don't have this. I don't have... And we negative, 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 negative. And then I went to a place where I didn't have to be alone. You want a new beginning? I can give you, I can give you a puzzle piece. You ready? One of the puzzle pieces in my life for to start a new beginning, we meet here, 6.45 on Friday nights. Oh, but I don't, have, I don't have issues with drugs and alcohol. Let me tell you something. That's not the only issues that we have. You get angry? You get mad? Overspend? Overeat? You worry? Are you judgmental? 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, I'm human. Oh, yeah, I know. That's why we should all be here. 645, Friday night, Celebrate Recovery has changed my life. There's papers out there that are free. Take one. Just look at it. But sometimes we want to say, nope, I'm in this all alone. I want to be alone. I don't want to deal with anybody. I'm alone in this. I'm alone. We, we play this card. It's like, it's like Smeagol and Gollum in this, in this movie, Lord of the Rings. He, keep, he keeps arguing one way. with the, We argue with ourselves. I'm okay today. No, you're not. It's, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Matt, you suffer from all kinds of stuff. And we don't know which way to turn. So Celebrate Recovery has become this to me. I come in, and guess what? Watch this, watch, 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 watch. I'm not alone. There, there, are, there are people there that think, wow. <laughs> this guy's really wanting to get a start on his life. And there's people there that accept me. There's people there that I don't have to be alone around. And they, they love me. They love me like God says to love people. They love me like Jesus loved the Samaritan woman when the disciples go, oh my goodness. And Jesus loved her. He didn't leave her alone. Look at verse 5. He just said, you know the way. And the disciples, here we go, Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Now watch, what? No, we don't. <laughs> No, we don't. We don't know the way. <clears throat> you never even told us. You know, there's, it's, just, it's just comical to me sometimes when I can read this and I just see myself. And I, I'm thinking there can't possibly be everything recorded in what they said. You know, Jesus just says, Thomas, you guys, you know the way. No, 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 no. No, we don't. You've never told us. Case in point. You tell your children to go clean their room. They don't do it. You come back and you know that they heard you. You come back in the room and say, hey, have you cleaned your room? Oh, you never told me to. It's human nature. Selective hearing. Thomas goes, oh, if I, don't, if I just don't remember Jesus saying he's going to leave, he won't. He was scared to death. Thomas is scared to death. He says, no, we don't know, Lord. Thomas says, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? God, please don't leave us. Don't! We don't know who to turn to. Lonely. Lonely. Now, Thomas wants to see the negative. There's 11 guys around him. If you exclude Judas, there's 10. There's 10 dudes. He's not alone. He says, oh, my teacher's leaving. Oh, this will never work. And they, and and they have the opportunity to get bitter or to get better. And some of us choose to get bitter and we want to hold on to things because they're bad and hold on to things because it was something bad and i got to just relive this and rehash this. God says nothing about that. He says, you need to trust me. Let me handle that. We have no idea where you're going. We have no idea. How can we know the way? He was telling them again that He is the only way. He was the only way, capital W. He was the only way. If you have your... Um, no, no, not yet. We'll go to verse 6 before we do that. Verse 6. Right after here, he says, how can we know the way? Thomas says, how can we know the way? And he uses it, and he uses it, and he uses it. And Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, he looks at them and he says, guys, listen to me. I'm going to tell you this one time, real straightforward. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Period. No, you can't do good enough. You can't do enough good things. Guys, it's going to come down to this. Do you trust me? Are you tired of being alone? Do you trust me? Because I'm the only way. I'm the only ticket. It's it's through me and that's it. Now, they didn't like to hear this. Because remember, Old Testament is about sacrificing, living your life like you should, like God wanted you to do. If Jesus is the only way, then we have to love everyone. Can you imagine they took a step? Man, I don't know about this. There is one way. He says the way, the truth, and the life. There's one way, that's Jesus, to enter heaven for eternity. That's it. I don't make this stuff up. It's here. It's plain. The truth By this time, Jesus had fulfilled 
Old Testament prophecies, other than the ones that had to do with him not having any bones broken, okay, other than all those later ones that he was going to do when he was crucified, he had fulfilled many. He was born in Bethlehem. How about this? We should just start with this one. He was born of a virgin. That kind of eliminates everyone else. So he, he was the way. Jesus is the only way. The truth, he had been, he'd been prophesied about and he was making those comes true. If they had looked, they would have seen. Look at verse 7. If you had really known me, Jesus says, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And he has the life. Jesus was raised from the dead by God the Father and now seeks to give us life. See, in verse 7 it says this. If you really known me, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, this is what he was doing. This is what he was doing. He was looking back at them and he was saying, Okay, now you know. I'm it, guys. I'm it. There's no way else. Look at your worship handout. Jesus is the only way. This world does not say this. This world is adamantly against this. You can be good enough, they say. You can be good enough. You can, be, you can do enough good things. You can fix enough people's cars. You can give away enough money. Listen, giving away money for touching someone's life is not going to get you into heaven. We should do good things because what God has done for us, but in order to achieve heaven, you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is something that we will never, ever, 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 ever get away from. Jesus is it. It's not the music that you listen to. It's not the music that you can play. It's not the good things that you do. It's it. He's telling them, okay, guys, here's the deal. I've drug you along this far. Snip, I'm it. I am the only way. I want you to pay attention. I am the only way. I'm it. Jesus is the only way to this. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to experience an eternity in heaven. You're going to live forever, by the way. You choose. To heaven, He's the only way out of our trouble. He's the only way out of our hurt. He's the only way out of our hang-ups. He's the only way out of our habits. And He's the only way to have life. He's, the, he's it. Look at the Old Testament. For instance, you can look at the Old Testament. Look at the prophets. See what they say. They all say, the Messiah is it. It's Him. He's the one. God's going to send Him. There's only one. That's it. There's one way. And we say, oh, ooh, are there any other options? We do. Because we, we know, we know what God's going to say. God says, well, man, I want you to change how you do this. You know, about that, God, I'm really, I'm really comfortable over here. I don't want to change. He says, he tells me, I'm telling you, in my prayer life, he talks to me this way. And he says, man, if you want to change, you have to remember one thing. This. I'm it. You can try on your own, but guess what? You're going to be stuck in a rut before you know it again because you've tried before. If you can get over this on your own, go ahead and try. But you know that if you could have, you would have. I'm it. We see, we have people in our, in our church we have people in our church that are celebrating not months, not weeks, not years, multiple years free of addiction because of their own? No. There's only one way. God has given them freedom because they chose to look at Him. They said, God, You are the only thing that can get me out of this. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. I want to jump off this stage wall. No stage diving, though. We don't, we, don't, we don't understand. We have, we have these songs that say, we're giving it all away. away. We, we're giving it all to go your way. It's singular. Your. His. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. To who? The one. Who gave it all. And what we do is we say, that road is too tough. I'm just going to keep getting back here a little bit more so he doesn't pay attention. I'm going to get back in my closet and I'm going to shut it up. Because i got to be alone. Let me tell you something. If you have a feeling of loneliness, you're not alone. The disciples were there. Look at verse, look at verse 8. Philip said, oh, another one chimes in. You never, <laughs> Thomas, you never showed us. 
Philip comes in. No, 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 wait. I'm arguing too. Lord, show us the Father. And we will be satisfied. Isn't that familiar? It's like this. I live, I live over in Summersville, so when I go west across town to Walmart, I encounter these awesome inventions called stoplights and trains. So sometimes we get so crazy in our life where we want to be so satisfied with what we see. Look, he says, Lord, show us the Father. Show it to us. God, if you're real, show it to me. I'm, watch this. It can do this. You're driving across town. God, if you're real, let me hit all greens at Walmart. You want to be so self-centered that God, you think God wants to play games with a stoplight? God, show me the way. Does anybody know, if you know Gary Rayburn, he has a story about this. He was driving a semi. And he, got, he thought he was getting real funny with God because he didn't want to do what God said. And he was driving a truck for his whole life. It's his story. It's on one of his stories. And he said, God, I just want you to show me a sign. The next car that went by was Jack Foxworthy. It says, here's your sign. See, God's not into playing games. I don't, I'm not telling you this to go down the interstate and say, well, I need an answer to my prayer. I think I'll just challenge God. God says, no, I want you to trust me, not challenge me. I want you to sit and be patient. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You practice your life. You live your life. And I'll reward you. I promise. You can't miss what I have. But we want to say, oh no, this is too hard. This is too difficult. I'd just rather stay by myself. And then we claim this one. There's no one like me. I'm all alone. No one likes me. You've done it. You're the one. There's footsteps leaning backwards, and it's your size shoe. There's no push marks. It's just, oh, I want to be alone. I'd rather stay here. Philip, wanting just this physical. Jesus, if you just show us your dad, we'd believe him. <laughs> Jesus doesn't really mess around with this question. Look how he says in verse 9. Jesus replied, and I don't think that he just said this. Look, read this. Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Three and a half years. I, I think he said it pretty sharp. If it's the third or fourth time that you've asked your child to clean the room, you don't say it in lowercase letters. Are you still sitting on the couch? Jesus, the same way, but he did it in love. He said, Philip, have I not been with you all this time? Have you not been with me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Listen, he was corrective, but he was loving. He tells them again. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So, why are you asking me to show him to you? Jesus was telling Philip that he had seen God. Now, if Philip got it at this moment, he was realizing that this. He was looking at the visible form of the invisible God. We're told. There's still the anxiousness. There's still the, the anger. There's still the loneliness. God, don't go. Jesus tells the very ones closest to him that they aren't good enough. Very close ones. You're not good enough. I'm the only way, guys. Look at verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does this work through me. He even goes on past this in verse 10 when he says, he says, the words I speak are not my own. Because in a little bit in Scripture, he's going to take him to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's going to pray before he's, he, before he's crucified and they're going to get arrested. And he says, disciples, I want you to come with me. A couple of you and I want you to stay awake. Keep alert. I've got to go talk to my dad. And he goes up and he asks God and he says, God, can this cup be taken from me? I don't, I'm really not in, in the mood to be crucified tomorrow. Just saying. That's my paraphrase. It doesn't say that in Scripture. But Jesus goes and he, and he gets on his face and he has a, a condition where he literally can sweat blood because he's so anxious. And he says, he, said, he says, Dad, if, the, if you can take this from me, okay, and I'd be okay with that. And if there's any other way, I'll, I'll, we're, we'll look into those options. 
But he comes back to the disciples after he talks with God and God says, there is no other way. You're it. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. See, he listens to his dad. Verse 11, just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Listen, he said, I want to see your dad. He goes, time out. You got a glass of water, put it in front of Philip. Turn that into wine. Here, watch. So you see me do that. You see me do things that are not normal. I'm not normal. He's always telling him, I'm not normal. Can a normal man raise somebody from the dead? No. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Four days. Really bad smell. He raised him up. Lazarus, come forth. Three words. You can walk all day. I can walk to my relative's grave all day, all night. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. This is not normal. Watch this. You've seen me. Watch this. Don't miss this. You, guys, listen. He grabs the guys together. He grabs the disciples together. And Jesus says this. Yeah, you've seen me do the cool stuff. You've seen me do the tricks at the parties. At the wedding, you saw me do the water thing. That was kind of neat. Raise people from the dead. Listen to this. By following you guys, can anybody's life change? As much as when they follow me. See, he, was, he was dynamic. He said, do you remember the lady at the well? Her life was different like that. And you know if you're honest, guys, you can't do that. You've seen it. You've seen it. Can He turn their lives around? Has He turned your life around? Could you say this morning, they say, Matt, man, I remember a time in my life where I felt that loneliness. I knew what it was like to really search to try to trust God. And it was really hard. Thank God there was somebody that came by, walked beside me, met me where I was, a church that loved me, a connect group that loved me. I got involved. I decided to do 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I did it for God and I searched it and I found people that cared. This is what I tell you. Go find somebody else like you used to be. That's what we do. That's how we multiply. That's, how, that's what we do. At Connection, that is what we do. God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. You know who's learning that curriculum? The youth. So as they grow up, we're building into them that opportunity to share with one another that God doesn't waste a hurt. Mom and dad got a divorce. God doesn't waste that. You can eventually, after God heals you from that pain, you can go to someone else. Many of them already have stories that they would blow your mind. I was given an opportunity at school to talk about this. I, I can talk about this. I can talk about this. It's healthy. But God says, in order to do that, you've got to trust me. Verse 12, he goes on. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus did things that only Jesus could do. The disciples and us Today, what he says, man, the greater things. Who's going to be, who's going to be the, best, the better helper? How can we feel not alone if Jesus isn't here? Acts chapter 2. We got a little present called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and it's our comforter. We're never alone. We're never alone. We're never alone. Alone. I watched a story last night on the History Channel about snipers in the war. But about 99% of the time, a sniper operates with a spotter so that they're not alone. Because they're places that are very dangerous. We need that spotter. 
A lot of people want to take verse 13 and blow it completely out of context. You can ask for anything in my name. God, can you please send FedEx with a semi-full of duck and goose decoys to my house? Hey, if that happens, you're not going to be able to use that many, so call me. God, please let me inherit a whole lot of money so I can buy the Lamborghini of my dreams. This is not what he asks. He says, anything in my name. Now watch, in his name. Jesus does not have a name. It's not a name. It's a name above all names. It's a holy name. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are here. The Holy Spirit is our guide. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Look at your worship handout with me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go to your worship handout. Next one. Yeah, we already did that one. Yeah. At some time or another, all of us will experience the feeling of loneliness. God's desire is that we have a relationship with Jesus so we can know that we are really never alone. I want to tell you something. (laughs) Satan wants you to feel alone. Feeling lonely, being by yourself, is not what God said. How can we know that? Because Jesus taught the disciples to make disciples. At no point in anywhere did God say, okay, Jesus, not, Jesus didn't tell, say this. He didn't go to his disciples. He goes, okay, I want you guys to split up and go out. Yeah, he did. He sent them by twos. Not ones. He sent them by twos. Because he knew the danger of being lonely. He knew what Jesus understood completely what Satan could do and tempt them with if they were lonely. How do we know that? Because Jesus was alone and being tempted for 40 days. He's done it. He's been there. We experience the feeling of loneliness. God's desire is to not have loneliness, but to have a relationship. Some people this morning may say, I have never had an opportunity. I don't even know what this relationship with God means. How can I get to heaven? All these questions be running through your mind. What does God expect? The feeling of loneliness is not of God. And I know what it's like. I've suffered from depression in my life. It's not funny. It's not fun. It's not funny. And there's nothing funny about it. It hurts. I felt like I was completely alone. This is a church. You have sat yourself in a church this morning that says you don't have to be alone. You're not alone. There's people here that would give up their Sunday afternoon to go out to eat with you and to sit down and talk with you. God desires that we have a relationship with Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only truth. And He can bring the only life in heaven. That's it. People think that's too easy. Oh, there's no way. You can have a relationship with God and all of a sudden just poof, you get to go to heaven. Listen, there's a lot more to that if you want to get in depth. But some people say that's too easy. It's too easy. It doesn't cost enough. I don't have to do enough. Listen, Paul himself said, it's not about what we do anyway. It's about the grace that God gives us. Do we have the bags? We have four bags with 147.50 in them. $589. It's a lot of nickels and dimes. How about, would, uh, let's see, Carol Johnson, Ashley Zinzaletta. Where's that? Take that piece of paper. There you go. Jennifer Watkins and Stephanie Baker. 
They're given a they're given a piece of paper with an email address on it, and they're just going to give us some information back that you can maybe read about it in the worship handout. You know what I hope? I'm going to pray for something. Jesus said to ask anything in His name. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray for these four bags that are getting ready to go out that include all of us. See, all of us help support that. They go out because they're from us. I'm just going to ask God to put these people in the path of people that just need to know that He's real this week. Maybe they're feeling lonely. Maybe they're feeling lonely. I challenge you this week. You're going to go out, eat lunch, hang out with some company. Listen, it's your time to shine. Your time to say, hey, how you doing? Let me open that door for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity. God, let us never forget that your son paying that price for us is the only way that we can get out of our stuff. Only way that we can not be lonely. God, it's because even if it's another person, they're using the love that you've given them to witness and help us. God, as we take this offering today, we took this special offering. God, to just touch somebody's life. God, I pray that they, these four people go out with these bags and they just are able to see somebody, make it real plain, not hard. But God, when those people get it, may they be impacted by your love. May they realize that they're not alone in this world. We love you, God. We thank you for the blessings you give us. In your name we pray. Amen.